hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Can I talk to you real quick? Is that okay? I want to talk to you. Uh, there's been something for a long time in my spirit stirring, and you guys have heard us talk about the table. How many of you guys have heard us talk about the table of the Lord? Uh, we, we started a whole ministry called Ezekiel 44, and there was this season of us as a church where God was speaking to us about the table and about us coming to him and about receiving from him everything he has for us. You, you all remember that. And I want to talk to you today just quickly about the table because here's the truth, man. The most powerful thing that's going to happen today is going to come from the person in front of you. Are you hearing me? Like the most powerful thing that's going to happen in this service today is not going to be the worship or the baptism. That was amazing. But it's going to be the conversation that we have with the people across from us in vulnerability and honesty and in family. And in a world that is moving 100 miles per hour, how many of you feel that tension? Like the world is moving 100. I have to have a calendar. I used to not have to have a calendar. I have like four calendars now. Because in a world that is moving 100 miles per hour, it becomes less and less convenient or normal for us to gather around the table. Like, I don't know about you, but me and my wife, we went to North Carolina last year, and we had a conversation when we were in North Carolina, and North Carolina is just different, right? It's not Florida, it's a different pace, where we're at a lake, and there's like, it's, I had no cell phone reception, which is a gift from God. It's like, oh my gosh, what is this? And we just talked about how our lives had become so busy. Like, there was so much going, and listen, it's all good stuff. And sometimes we need to realize that good stuff is not always God's stuff. All good stuff, look around, all that God has done and, and, and the teams that we lead and all that God has brought. But we came to the realization that we had come to the point in our life where we really stopped gathering around the table. Like we would all gather our food and we would sit in front and we were like, let's just go, let's just do this. And, and we had to take a step back and say, no, 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 no. We've come to the, no, we know the knowing that the table is important. Because in our lives we have lots of spiritual disciplines, right? We read our Bibles. We memorize verses, we go to church, we do worship, we give, we tithe. But one of the things I feel we have lost as a community or body of people is the ability to gather around the table and be honest and be vulnerable. Like to let people come into our lives and say, hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. And if you're going to love me, you're going to love the real me. Are you alive? You're going to love the real. And so like I've had people come to our church and they're like, y'all are like freaking crazy, honest and vulnerable. Like, it's scary. Because in this kind of environment where we say, hey, listen, we're just going to love you for you. Like, I know you don't see yourself this way yet, but we love you and we believe in you. Well, here's what the table does. The table is a place of connection. So, like, every week we usually have communion because we believe it is important for us to connect with God on a tangible level. And so, like, Jesus' last sermon to his disciples, it wasn't on a mount. It wasn't with thousands and thousands of people. Jesus gathered them. He gathers them. And you see, as he does the Passover supper with them, he gathers them around the table. And he doesn't put before them theology. He doesn't put before them books or things to memorize. He invites them into a meal that is to mean something to them. And man, I burn for this today because I feel it's important for us, for our spirits to grab this. I'm not trying to shame anybody who doesn't eat around the table. If you're hearing that, you missed it. What I'm saying is there's an invitation for us to go back to family as a church and as a body where we realize that in this place of intimacy, God has something for us. Where he invites us in as a group of people to come into his presence and to receive true connection. 
How many of you know you can know somebody but not really know them? We live in a world, we live in the most connectedly disconnected generation ever. I got 27,000 friends on Facebook, but I only know three people well. And so we get stuck in this deception where we feel like we are surrounded by people, yet if you were to be honest, a lot of us, we feel alone. And so we come into church and we come into these places and we ask ourselves this question, do I really belong at the table? I just laugh. I knew today, you see people when they walked in today, they just stand by the back wall. Where am I going to sit? Where do I belong? What's going to be most comfortable for me? And these are all the questions that, that happen. And it wasn't one, it was lots of people because that's our natural thing, right? We are moved towards comfort, but, but the thing about the table is when we bring our true selves, it brings us freedom. And so in John 13, I want to walk us through this for a second. John is my favorite book in the Bible. We are called the Bible based off of John 15. And in John 13, Jesus is having a meal with his disciples, and he is inviting them in when the Passover celebration is happening, and he says to them, sit down. And he's about to explain to them what's about to happen. And what's about to happen to them is devastating. Like, we read through the Bible, man, and it's like a cute story, but what was about to happen to these men who gave up jobs and notoriety and everything that they knew to follow this man, now this person, this Jesus, their leader, their rabbi, their everything, their master, is about to be gone. And Jesus sits down with them, and he begins to explain to them what it means to abide. And he sits them down, and he has this conversation with them. And Jesus says, do you now understand what I am doing? But someday you will. And Peter, he begins to wash Peter's feet. And he models for us leadership, right? This is all happening at the table. He begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And he begins to walk with them and speak with them. And this powerful thing happens. And then in this moment around the table, he, he declares his betrayal, right? And the 12 disciples are like, who's going to do it? <laughs> right? All of this thing, this is all happening around the table. And I want you to see this. Because many of us in this room, we wouldn't verbalize it, but we disqualify ourselves from belonging at a table because of our qualifications. Because of the mistakes that we've made, because of the things that we do or the things that we do not do. And what I want to destroy and, and kill today is that. How many of you know that even though Judas was about to betray Jesus, he still had a seat at the table? Even though Judas was about to commit the greatest mistake of his life, Jesus still pulled up a chair and washed his feet and gave him supper. And this is the beauty of the table. It becomes a place of connection, a place of givingness, a place of vulnerability where we open ourselves up and then he begins to speak and Peter's like, no, 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 you cannot leave. He's like, I will die. Peter says this to him, I will die for you. And he makes this declaration in front of all of the disciples, if you're not here, I don't want to be here. And I'm going to go one further, I will die for you. And everybody hears it. Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you know this story, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And I don't know about you, but this is an awkward conversation at the dinner table. Nobody, everybody's like, that's freaking awkward. He said he was going to die. Jesus said you're going to betray him. This is like... This is what's happening around the table. 
And so now comes the moment where Jesus is in the garden and he's crying and all of these things are happening and enter into the moment where they're about to walk into the reality of what Jesus has spoken around the table. The people come in, Judas betrays Jesus. They take him and Peter is so indignant about what is happening is he cuts off somebody's ear. Jesus is like, come on, bro. <laughs> this is Jesus cleaning up our messes, right? Oh, Peter. Puts the ear back on. And Jesus is gone. And understand that what Jesus had shared with them around the table, they did not understand. Jesus spoke in metaphors all the time. So I would imagine, like, maybe you're smarter than me, but when I read the Bible in the context of them, I'm like, they were probably confused a lot. And so now they're watching everything that had happened around the table come into life, and you watch all of their responses. Some of them leave, but you get into this moment about chapter 18 where you see Peter, and he begins to, he walks into the place where Jesus is being tried. And in chapter 18, you see that a woman comes. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another disciple. I'm in chapter 18. Verse 16, Peter had to stay outside of the gate when the disciples who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate. She said, this woman, aren't you one of the man's disciples? And Peter says, I am not. And I just want to say to you, and I, and I want this to become real to you, because I don't know how many of you, but I know I had, Jesus, I will never do that again. It's not just, oh, just me, just a pastor. <laughs> Jesus, I will never, I will never I will never. And in this moment, he is becoming accused of being a follower of Jesus. I am not. And two more times in chapter 18, you see, I am not. And the third time, he gets a little thug with them. Read the story. And in this moment of, of like, oh, you got to see like it's in a movie. He says, I am not in the rooster crows. And inside of him, I'm sure a little piece of Peter died. I don't know about you, man, but I don't, not only did I say it to Jesus, but all the disciples were there. And now the very person I had told, I will die for you, he had done the very thing he said I would never do. I don't know about you, but in this moment, I probably would have felt like a failure. How many of you know that's the truth? I failed Jesus. <laughs> After three years of following him, I failed him. And Jesus goes and he dies on the cross, and this is why we're gathered today, right? But, but, but you have to fast forward the story because something beautiful happened in chapter 21. Jesus is resurrected, and he comes, and he's, he, he appears to Mary. He appears to some of the disciples, and he's going about his thing, and he's in the 40-day period after. And in, verse, in chapter 21 of John, I want you to see this. This is the last chapter of this book, and I just want to show you the significance because the truth is, if we don't get this right about approaching God's table and realizing we belong, that's why it's plastered on the front of our church. You belong, you believe, you become. If you try to believe before you become, you're going to have a problem. If we tell you you have to believe before you belong, we're not preaching the gospel. And so now Peter is walking with shame. He feels like a failure. How do we know? Because in chapter 30, 21 of John, he is fishing. That's the equivalent of me. I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to work at Winn-Dixie. <laughs> That's the equivalent of me quitting here and going to work at Fishhawk Winn-Dixie. 
because the discouragement was so great. He had run back to the very thing God had taken him out of because of the shame and the guilt and the frustration of failing Jesus. So he appears, Jesus appears on the shore and he says, hey, how long have you been fishing? We have been fishing on, I haven't caught anything. He says, cast the nets on the other side. And you fast forward through this chapter. Are you all right? I feel this, man. Verse 10. Jesus is speaking to Peter. He says, bring me some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard. He dragged the net to the shore, and there were 153 large fish, and the net had torn, hadn't torn. And Jesus invites him, and what does he invite him to do? Now come and have some breakfast, said Jesus. Back to the table. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm like, no, 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 because they all knew he was Jesus. The Bible says they knew it was Jesus, but none of them wanted to mention him. And the very last thing he had done with Jesus was, was sit around the table and said, I will never. And he did. And what does Jesus do? He shows up on the scene. He invites him in to have another meal to dismantle and destroy any shame. And then he has this dialogue with Peter. And he says this, after breakfast... Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. He tells him, feed my lamb. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Then the third time, I just love this, because for every time he had denied, for every time he had denied Christ, he asked him the question to affirm, you still belong. That it is possible to still love him and to still have him be everything and make some mistakes. And I don't know about you. Maybe you're perfect and you don't make no mistakes. But for me, that is a breath of fresh air. To understand that no matter what I'm going through in my life, no matter what situation I find myself in, disappointment, no matter how I feel, I can come to his table even when I had committed the error of, I will never. And I just want to say this to you today. Because I see so many, like, Christians, like, talking about the joy of the Lord, but they look like they just smelled a fart. So, like, let's just, let's just, okay. I'm just being honest. Like, I, I didn't become a Christian until I was 18, and it's because people were inviting me into something that looked very unappealing. When we become people who gather around a table, we approach the Lord's table, and we choose to live in community with one another, what happens is we dismantle the attacks of the enemy over our lives. The Bible tells us this, confess your faults and sins to one another so that you may be healed. And I would like to say this to you today. There is power in confession. In a safe environment where you know the people across from you will champion you. Understanding that this is a safe place and you belong at his table. The same way you may have failed or you may be carrying that weight or frustration of not feeling good enough to measure up, this is not about you measuring up. The reason Jesus went to a cross, hello, is so that you didn't have to measure up. So here's what I want to do. 
Is that okay? The reason Jesus went to the cross is so that you don't have to measure up. And like my, my dream, I have lots of dreams for this church. I know you're, you're like, every week he shares a new dream. But it would be that we would be able to be people who would approach community with a whole heart. Do you understand that? That we would be able to open up our hearts and find people that would truly love us back to life. And I believe it's a missing ingredient for the body today. Community, community that is only inspired by the church is not true community. It's a machine. Very quiet, I know. But all this to say, let today be a starting point for you to open yourself up to a part of the gospel that you've been closed off to because you think people are going to see the real you and they're not going to like it. Is that all right?